Straight cash, homie. Would you please break the damn story? He took it out. Oh, for you. We are just six days away from the triumphant return of PFT Live to Peacock and NBCS. And until then, hiatus edition PFT Live, Tuesday, August 10. All the latest happenings in the National Football League, just a couple of days away from week one of what was now only a three-week preseason. So for the first time ever, a truncated preseason. But the first wave of games starting Thursday and continuing through the weekend will be all over that at PFT. And we'll be back on Monday to recap anything that we see that catches our interest or strikes conversation as it relates to those preseason games. One guy to watch in the preseason, Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow. It's, and he has said recently that his struggles in camp aren't the result of any physical limitations due to his torn ACL from last year. It's a mental thing. And it reminds me of Carson Palmer in 2006 when Palmer was coming off of a torn ACL and for all of that 2006 season, he was basically seeing ghosts around his leg. He was concerned about potential contact with that front left leg when he plants to throw. Remember back then, it was still legal to hit a quarterback at or below the knee. They got rid of that later. When Carson Palmer was coming back, that was still fair game. So, hey, you can still have a lot of traffic around that leg, even if it's a violation to hit the knee. That doesn't keep someone from doing it intentionally or accidentally. And Joe Burrow may be working through that. So his rehab has gone great. Everything about it, checked every box, back, ready to go. Week one, strong, week one of, of training camp, day one of training camp, stronger arm, all sorts of improvements. But when you lived through what he did, when he took that hit against Washington last November, I think it was, that's a lot to forget. And it's going to take him some time, I think, to get comfortable again about exposing that left knee. So I think we should temper the expectations as it relates to him. And, and also, this was something we had on PFT yesterday. Rookie receiver Jamar Chase, fifth overall pick in the draft. Not as dominant out of the gates as maybe we thought he would be. Now, still a long way to go. Rookies have, have sometimes the necessity of time to get to where they're going to be, whatever that ceiling is. But I think there was a belief that Chase was going to come right in, out of the gates, and, and be so freakishly different when competing against fellow teammates and uh, trying to be covered by corners on the Cincinnati roster that, that we would see what's going to come when he's in games that count. So we'll see what he can do in the preseason this weekend. We'll see what Joe Burrow can do. The Bengals start the preseason, I believe on Saturday night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa. I don't know how I don't, I, I can't remember whether I've seen them. We're not going to see Burrow at all in the preseason. I mean, if there's any hesitation, if there's any equivocation, if there's any doubt you want to be careful with him, but at the same time, you want him to get to the point where he's comfortable getting the ball, settling into the pocket, and not being distracted by the traffic that necessarily is going to be around the area of that knee. In Green Bay, which begins its preseason this weekend with a game against the Texans, Devontae Adams and the Packers still negotiating a potential new contract. His deal expires after this season. Brian Gutekunst of the Packers, GM of the team, most recently said they're willing to continue these discussions into the season. I, I have a very simple and basic approach to all of this. I mean, to the extent that it appears that Devontae Adams 
and Aaron Rodgers are tied together. And if there is a very real possibility that Rodgers won't be on the team in 2022, why are you going to give Devontae Adams a gigantic contract now when you may not get the full value for Adams in 2022 if Jordan Love is the quarterback? I mean, look, I remember the debate back in the 80s as to which guy made the other between Joe Montana and Jerry Rice and then Steve Young and Jerry Rice. I mean, Devontae Adams isn't Jerry Rice. I don't think you drop Devontae Adams into any offense with any quarterback and he's instantly going to be great. You take away one of the great quarterbacks of all time, that may make Devontae Adams' performances somewhat less impressive than they otherwise would be. My, my point is this, if there's a chance, and it looks like there was a good chance as of right now that Rodgers won't be the quarterback of the Packers next year. If, if there's a, a good chance that's going to happen, why do you want to make Devontae Adams the highest paid receiver in football? And, and remember the debate from a couple of weeks ago, Adams thinks he should be the highest paid. Gutekunst says, well, we've got different ways of defining it. And there's with new money and value at signing and et cetera. Bottom line is, if you are going to get him at or close to the top of the market, you better be sure that there's a quarterback there that can get the most out of Devontae Adams, or that is not money well spent. And the other side of it too. And the position isn't there yet. But the receiver position seems to be moving in the direction of the running back position, where teams eventually are going to say, instead of paying the guy that's been on our team for the last four or five years a huge amount of money and give him a huge amount of salary cap space, we're just going to take a guy in round two, round three. One of these young guys, there's so many young receivers now coming out every year. Very simple explanation for it. With all the reps that quarterbacks are getting, all year round, not just during games, but in the seven-on-seven -seven tournaments and camps that, that just seem to be universal, coast-to-coast. -coast. Somebody's catching those passes. Guys are developing as pass catchers because of all the time that is spent developing guys as pass throwers. Another dynamic to consider when the Packers decide whether or not to give Devontae Adams what he wants. And it could just be that they, they – make him think that they're going to do something, but they always stop short of what he wants just to get through this season, just to kick the can into 2022. And he's got every reason to have a big year if he's going to be a free agent next year. And, you know, if, he, if he's going to join forces with Aaron Rodgers in a new city, Rodgers is going to help him get paid what he wants. Because, look, if Rodgers leaves, he's going to pick a team that is basically going to throw him the keys to the car like the Buccaneers did with Tom Brady. And Rodgers presumably will want Devontae Adams right out of the gates. And then they'll trade for Randall Cobb or sign him. I think he's a free agent after this year. And then, then they can go get Jake Kumara. Get all the guys that Aaron Rodgers wants. Just let him run the team. Let him balance the salary cap as well for his next team. But, but you know, the bottom line is, it makes no sense to give Devontae Adams a ton of money if you think there's a good chance that Rodgers isn't going to be back. Jimmy Garoppolo is still with the San Francisco 49ers. And I've been asked about this a lot. One of the reasons I like doing local radio throughout the country is I, I get a sense of what the burning questions are for the people who talk about football for a living in every market. And everyone is fascinated about what's going to happen with the 49ers, Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. And Look, they're not going to come out and tell us what their strategy is. They've spent a lot of time during this training camp pumping up Jimmy Garoppolo. 
but also they're finding ways to incorporate Trey Lance into the offense. And, and if the goal was to set the stage for a Jimmy Garoppolo trade sometime in August, hoping that, even though you don't want to see anybody get injured, but hoping that an opportunity arises to trade Jimmy Garoppolo to another team, you've got every reason to hype the guy. You've got every reason to talk about how well he's doing. You're waiting for the opportunity that may or may not come to trade him, just like the opportunity that fell into Philadelphia's lap five years ago when Teddy Bridgewater, late August, tears his ACL in practice, and the Eagles get a one and a four from the Vikings, who are desperate at that point to replace Teddy Bridgewater. So if this is part of the plan, and, and why wouldn't it be? Hey, We've got Jimmy Garoppolo. He's under contract for $25 million. We've got Trey Lance. We gave up three first-round picks and a third-round pick to get him. Nobody's ready to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo right now. So let's hang on to him because maybe an opportunity will emerge out of nowhere in August as a result of injuries during the preseason games, as a result of some fluke thing that can happen at practice. All of a sudden, you've got a market for Garoppolo, and you can get back some of what you gave up to get Trey Lance. Now, the other side of it is who's going to pay him $25 million. And I think that if a trade opportunity does emerge, unless it's a team that truly is desperate and, and moves heaven and earth to come up with $25 million to satisfy the Jimmy Garoppolo 2021 base salary, he may have to take less money. He may have to do that to facilitate a trade. And that less money angle is still hovering in San Francisco because, and, and look, football is family. Sure it is. Football is business. And the 49ers have proven over the years that they know how to run the business side of things as well as anyone. I fully expect at some point before week one. And that's when Garoppolo's 25 million becomes as a practical matter guaranteed. His salary is not guaranteed right now. He's in the out non-guaranteed years of his contract. However, for any player who's on the roster or any roster for four or more years, vested veteran status under the collective bargaining agreement, if you're on the active roster week one and you're cut at any point after that, you can take the balance of your salary as termination pay. So it makes your salary as a practical matter guaranteed. So that creates an occasion for the 49ers late August, some point between August 30 and the eve of week one, you go to Jimmy Garoppolo and you say, look, we, we love you. We want you on the team. We can't justify paying you $25 million when either you're not the week one starter, which I think is unlikely. I think they at least get him started as the season as the starter. But hey, we've got Trey Lance. And, you know, we think you're worth about 12 or 13 right now, maybe 15 max. Maybe we'll turn some of the money into incentives. You start a certain number of games, you get your full 25 million. I mean, come on, Jimmy, you can't expect us to pay you $25 million if we bench you after three or four weeks. And it was a reasonable way to make the argument with the very strong implication of if you don't agree to it, you're gone. And the reality is whatever the 49ers will be offering him by then is going to be better than what anyone else offers, unless, of course, there is some sort of an injury that opens the door for a trade. But that, that gives him no leverage. That gives him no opportunity to say, take your reduced offer and shove it. I'm going to go play for somebody else and make more because nobody's going to offer anymore when we get to late August. And the rosters are set. The depth charts are set. The guys who know the system, who've had the reps in off-season, training camp, preseason are there. 
That's potentially where this is going. And you could go to Garoppolo and say, look, we're cutting your salary. Let's just say 15 million. So it's a nice even number. We're cutting it to 15 million. And we're going to tie another 5 million of it to the number of games you ultimately start for the team. And we're going to tie the other 5 million to performance. So you can still make 25 million, but you got to earn the extra 10. We'll give you 15, whether you're playing or not. You got to earn the extra 10. How can he say no to that? if they pick the right moment to do it. And that moment comes at a time when no one else is gonna offer him that package. And what you can also do is you can say, as part of this deal, we'll rip up 2022. You become a free agent after this season. So this isn't some revolutionary idea. Trust me, I'm not capable of thinking of those. This is something that has happened in the past. We have seen this time and again. Teams routinely go to vested veterans with non-guaranteed salaries and make them an offer that they can't refuse. And if they do refuse it, they get cut. And then they're stuck trying to find more money elsewhere. And sometimes they say, screw it, cut me. And they do get as much or more somewhere else. I just think that there won't be a market for Jimmy Garoppolo when we get to late August, unless there's an injury. And if the injury happens, that's what opens the door for a potential trade. So my point is this, they're not going to come out and tell us that's what they're thinking. They're just going to act the way that they're currently acting. And they hope that the opportunity arises. I just can't imagine giving him $25 million in guaranteed base salary, letting it vest as of week one, when it sure seems to be that they're trying to position things to get the full return on the draft pick investment they've made in Trey Lance. And they also know that Jimmy Garoppolo can't stay healthy. I mean, what if he gets injured week two again? What if he gets injured week one? What if he gets injured in the preseason? See, this is part of the risk. You can have him out there taking reps. He gets injured week one. It's a serious injury. Another torn ACL, ruptured Achilles, whatever it may be, you're on the hook for the full $25 million. So uh, I know the 49ers consider what they're going to continue to pay Jimmy Garoppolo as some sort of an investment in the future of Trey Lance. It's just a strange way to do business. But uh, everything, frankly, about the way the 49ers have handled the quarterback position this offseason has been strange. And I think it's all driven by the fact that they passed on Patrick Mahomes in the 2017 draft when they could have had him. And they said no thank you to Tom Brady in 2020 when they could have had him in free agency when he wanted to come home and play for the 49ers. They said no thank you. We're going to ride with Jimmy G. Now they are trying to find the right way to jump off of Jimmy G and jump on to Trey Lance while still getting some value in the process. Haven't said anything about vaccinations yet this week, but there is one point that I want to make. And by the time you see and hear these words, there may already be a story about this posted at PFT. I started working on it earlier today. But, but I have noticed from those in the media who make their living in grievance-based observations that Kirk Cousins got criticized mercilessly for his anti-vaccine stance, but nobody's saying anything about Lamar Jackson and the fact that he's not vaccinated. And the implication is, and, and for some of these folks, they, they don't even imply it. They just come out and say that it's because Kirk Cousins is white. That's why he's being criticized so heavily for his position. And look, I, I, I hate to legitimize that kind of goofiness, that kind of obvious distortion of reality in order to cater to a certain element of the audience that will clap and cheer 
for those kinds of takes. And those, the, the, the people in the media who are saying these things know exactly what they're doing. They're making their living on these grievance-based notions. There are some differences that I think bear mentioning. First, Lamar Jackson hasn't really said much, not until yesterday. He wasn't pressed to explain why he's not vaccinated. Yesterday, he's meeting with reporters after coming off the COVID-19 list, and he said he's actually thinking about getting vaccinated now. He's had COVID twice. He's actually thinking about it now. Cousins last week went into this goofy boy in the bubble. I'm going to surround myself in plexiglass. I'm going to do everything I can to keep from getting it. Well, no, get, get vaccinated then. I mean, with Cousins, it's more glaring because he is making ridiculously more money than Lamar Jackson. He is the clear and undisputed franchise quarterback, team leader, the guy that the Vikings have made, made this entire investment in, and they've stayed patient with him, even though he hasn't really had the return that they were looking for from a success standpoint, wins and losses. He's, he's thrown the ball well, and we've been down this road many times. Kirk Cousins is very good if the play that's called works. The moment the walls start to cave in, he can't improvise. He physically can't do it. He can't run away from the pressure. He gets gobbled up or he just throws the ball away instead of the great quarterbacks who can take that situation and turn it into chicken salad. So Cousins has been underwhelming in relation to what the Vikings have expected. And here they are, table set. You know, they're in this ping pong of one year they make it to the playoffs, one year they don't. He's been there three years. They made it to the playoffs one time. The expectations are there this year. Defense has improved. You've got Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. And, and Cousins with a nonsensical explanation for why he's not getting vaccinated. And then you throw on top of it his dad's congregation in Orlando and some of the things that his dad has said. We wrote about this last week. It invites more criticism. He's given us more things to criticize. And look, he didn't have to elaborate, but I think he felt... He felt compelled to do something. I think he felt defensive after he got knocked off of the roster for five days because he was a close contact to Kellen Mond, who hasn't been vaccinated. Mond hasn't been criticized at all because he hasn't been around. He's just back off the COVID-19 list today. We'll see what he has to say about why he's not vaccinated. But I think the circumstances are very different. Everybody needs to get vaccinated. Every NFL player should get vaccinated. Charles Barkley told Bob Costas on Costas' new show on HBO recently that he thinks Every pro athlete has an obligation to get vaccinated because that industry kept going during the pandemic. You didn't have people lose their jobs. You didn't have people lose their money. Last year, every NFL player got every penny that he was due to make, even though the teams lost more than $4 billion collectively. Barkley said it's selfish for pro athletes to not get the vaccine. And setting aside the fact that they haven't suffered financially, there is an availability reality that is tied to this. If you want to be able to play for your team and earn your money, and again, Cousins making ridiculously more than Lamar Jackson, Cousins needs to get vaccinated and not have to worry about ensconcing himself in plexiglass and whether or not he's going to be a close contact with someone who tested positive or whether or not he's going to test positive. As the rules still are, he gets tested every day. If you're not vaccinated, it was once every two weeks. They were moving it to once a week. I know the union wants it to be every day for vaccinated as well, which, which kind of... Uh, takes away one of the incentives to get vaccinated. But currently for unvaccinated players, you're tested every single day, which means that any given day, every given day of the 2021 regular season, 
Kirk Cousins could test positive and get knocked off the roster for at least 10 days, at least 10 days, if you're not vaccinated. It could happen on a Sunday. It could happen on a Saturday. It could happen on a game day, any game day. So that's why Cousins, I think, has gotten greater criticism. He's given us more to talk about. He's given us more to scrutinize. And by virtue of the things his dad said last year about the virus and the things Cousins said about the virus, if I die, I die. And he also, this was in the podcast with Kyle Brandt, on a scale of one to 10, if, if 10 is hot under your bed and one is anyone who wears a mask is an idiot, and I'm paraphrasing the way he set it up, but he, he set up one as basically you're a sheep, you're weak, there's something wrong with you if you wear a mask. Cousin said he's a point oh 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 one. So he's just given us more that we can chew into. Lamar hasn't, but Lamar should get vaccinated. Lamar is trying to get a major contract from the Baltimore Ravens. And even though John Harbaugh has not called him out directly or indirectly, the way Mike Zimmer has called out Kirk Cousins. I think that's another factor that makes this one different. You've got more inherent drama in Minnesota because the coach is calling it like it is publicly. John Harbaugh isn't. Privately, he may feel very different, but publicly he has not yet engaged Lamar Jackson. Remember, I said this yesterday as it relates to his contract. I feel like the Ravens are diffusing a bomb here because they don't have a third person that they can talk to about Lamar's situation because he doesn't have an agent. You know, if Lamar Jackson had an agent, they could call the agent and they could say, among other things, boy, we really wish your guy would get vaccinated. And it's a lot easier to say that to the agent than it is to say it directly to Lamar. So there are very real differences between the two. And it's lazy it's predictable. And frankly, it's a little tiresome that you've got a segment of the media that's looking to make these little drive-bys and boil it down to something that is very basic and simple. And it caters to their audience of folks who love to soak up all of the grievances. Give me the grievances, all the grievances that we can use and turn into talking points and or you know, minor little political victories. In this case, it's not even close to anything legitimizing uh, the label of victory. It, it, and, and again, everyone should get vaccinated. It, it, it's, it's that simple. Everyone should. There aren't degrees of urgency. Everyone, Lamar Jackson should. Kirk Cousins should. Everyone in the NFL who isn't vaccinated should. Everyone out of the NFL who isn't vaccinated should. Oh, but it's not yet FDA approved. You know, Hundreds of millions of people have taken it. And, and we've not yet turned into zombies like I am legend. I, I've seen that there's now a narrative out there that because in the movie I am legend, the cure for cancer that they come up with turns everyone into zombies. Don't take the vaccine because the COVID vaccine is going to turn everybody into zombies. I mean, it's, it's, you can't make this stuff up. But apparently someone is. All right. Time to answer some of your questions. Let's see what we have. Will there be some vaccine questions? I don't know. Only one way to find out. By the way, before I get to the questions, I have to point out, you know, we've been doing this for about a half hour so far today. You may have noticed over my, let's see, I'm looking this way, left, left shoulder, <laughs> over my left shoulder, right from left, left shoulder. Wait, this is my left shoulder. Over my left, yeah. over my left shoulder. And this is a direct reaction to the fact that the Room Raider guy dropped me from an eight to a seven. Drop me. 
for no reason. Everything was the same. If anything, I put some more stuff in the background than I have when he gave me an eight. So he wants fruit. I don't have any fruit right now, but I got corn, fresh corn going to be put on the grill tonight. There you are, Room Raider guy. There's vegetables. There's living things out of the ground. And also, I, I, got a little, I got a little something down there. I got a little Ace Freely mug and a little, it's either Statler or Waldorf from the Muppet Show. I can't remember which one. My dad looked like one of the guys, the, the, the skinny guy who didn't have the mustache. And I got that little thing back there for him when the Muppet Show first came on TV in the late 70s. That's how old it is. And I almost dropped it on the way down and shattered the damn thing which would have devastated me emotionally because that thing sat on his desk at, at our house for as long as he lived there. And I've had it ever since. So uh, we're trying to spice it up a little bit, Room Raider guy. Get me back to an eight, maybe to a nine. I don't know what I need to do to get a 10. My, my wife is coming up with some ideas with other shots that we can try in the house to try to get to a 10. That is my new mission to get the Room Raider guy to bump me up to a 10. All right, let's answer your questions here as I bump the camera a little bit. Okay. Uh, let's see here. PFTPM Posse, there has to have been protocol violations so far during camp. However, we haven't seen any fines. Do the fines not start until the season? I don't know if there have been protocol violations. I don't know. And I don't know that anyone is going to publicize it. I really don't. There's a fine balance that the union, the league, and the players are trying to strike here so we don't get a bunch of guys constantly complaining about the vaccine and the protocols. The union is very sensitive to the idea that if you have guys popping off about any of that stuff on social media, it may get people to not get vaccinated. So it's entirely possible there have been fines we just don't know about. You know, the media doesn't have the same access to training camp that it used to have. And uh, it may just be that these things have happened and we, we don't know about it yet because no one's talked about it yet. Or it's possible that everyone who isn't vaccinated and it's a relatively few uh, number of players on every team, it may just be that no one has violated the, the protocols yet. Walt Zversky, when PFT Live returns, I'm a daily watcher. Let's try to have more Cleveland Browns and less Tom Brady slash Aaron Rodgers. Hey, we just go where the news takes us. And uh, if the Browns are making news, we'll have plenty to say about the Cleveland Browns. Pensburg, what is the deal with the T.J. Watt contract holdup? Well, you know, the Steelers are one of the teams out there that once we get to the end of the preseason, they're done. So they're trying to get this contract resolved. T.J. Watt is present with the team, but he's not practicing in team drills. This is the new reality with the price of holdouts going sky high under the current CBA, we are seeing more players show up and hold in. Guys who are, are willing to report, but the team is willing to let them not practice. The team isn't playing hardball with them. And we've got some of these situations that may be teetering toward the point where the team has to play hardball, like Jamal Adams in Seattle. Pete Carroll seemingly a little exasperated with the fact that Adams has yet to start practicing. And Adams isn't going to do it until he gets his contract. See, the problem is you give the player all the leverage in that situation. He's there. He's not practicing. You're not making him practice. He's withholding services without holding out. Well, when's he going to start practicing? Well, when are you going to give him a contract? Well, uh, when, when you give him what he wants, that's when he'll sign it. I mean, it really does swing the pendulum toward the player. And you have to wonder whether or not the league is going to try to come up with something for next year that will 
will make it harder for teams to placate players who want these contracts by letting them show up, letting them not practice, and holding all of the leverage as these negotiations occur behind the scenes. Because in a situation like TJ Watt, Jamal Adams, Dwayne Brown, all of these things work to the benefit of the player. All right. Let's see. A similar question from Narendra Chowdhury. Due to the new CBA, is the drama behind holdouts vanished as the players have to attend the camps or they have to pay the fine? Anyway, they make any is there any way they make any changes in this as, as it favors the teams massively? This gets back to the point I just made. Some of these teams are allowing the players to show up and not practice, which is the same thing as holding out without the fines. The fines can't be waived for players not operating under their rookie contract. So the player shows up, the player doesn't do any work, and the player just sits. And what's the team going to do? All of a sudden, if you don't practice today, we're going to punish you in some way. We're going to find you for conduct detrimental to the team. We're going to find you for refusing to comply with whatever, whatever, whatever box that would fit in. I guess that's what a team could eventually do if it just becomes fed up with the fact that a guy isn't participating in practice. Um, let's see. A lot of people complaining about the fact that PFT Live is, is off. I, there's nothing I can do other than tell you we're back on Monday. I appreciate the fact that you watch the show. I appreciate the fact that you have missed us. We have missed you. We are ready to come back. We've been ready to come back. This year, the Olympics created a practical impediment to our return because if you haven't noticed, the Olympics are a pretty big deal for NBC. It won't be like this next year. This year, bear with us. We'll be back on the 16th of August. Jeremy York, since we know his obvious position in Jacksonville currently, is there a market for backup quarterback Gardner Minshew? Seems like he still has worth in the league. I think that the Jaguars are a little bit surprised that there haven't been offers for Gardner Minshew, trade offers, something. I think he's been available for a while. I, I think one of the reasons Tim Tebow temporarily was in number 85 is they were waiting to free up number 15 by trading Gardner Minshew, but they haven't gotten an offer that they want yet. It's kind of like the same thing as Jimmy Garoppolo, just waiting, just waiting for the opportunity. You know, some people are surprised the Colts didn't call about Minshew last week with the Carson Wentz news. They've decided to stay in house with Jacob Eason, but I think that the Jaguars are hoping they get an offer for Minshew and uh, they may just carry him on the roster this year as the backup to Trevor Lawrence. But, but clearly Trevor Lawrence is the guy when the season rolls around. Robert Hosa, should the Colts trade for a starting quarterback? I think they're, they're perfectly content to stick with Jacob Eason. We don't know how long Carson Wentz is going to be out. That five to 12 week time frame, very broad. He could be back early in the regular season. He could be back midway through the regular season. They like Jacob Eason. They, they don't want to get hijacked by a team that would put too much of a price tag on a quarterback now that the Colts have a need. You know, Nick Foles makes sense given the relationship with Frank Reich. The problem is given the dynamics of the relationship with Carson Wentz in Philly, I don't know that you bring in Nick Foles. I think you just try to, to move forward with what you have until Carson Wentz is ready to go. And you can watch the waiver wire. Maybe a guy pops up. Maybe Gardner Minshew does become available. Maybe one of these guys that they would otherwise trade for gets cut. But Chris Ballard is never going to overpay, either financially or in draft pick compensation. 
And it's very easy when a quarterback goes down for a team, for other teams that have trade assets to all of a sudden jack up the price. Chris Ballard's not going to blink if that's the case. <laughs> uh, <laughs> last question of the day, and you know, I rarely go off topic in this setting, but this, this question caught my eye. I did kind of pre-screen the questions today. James McDonough, known on Twitter as Dr. J144, can you explain Joe Manchin as a politician? I'm curious why Republicans wouldn't rather vote for a Republican and why Democrats wouldn't rather vote for a Democrat who's more reliably Democratic. Manchin is interesting to me. And I'm being asked that question because I'm here in West Virginia, where Joe Manchin has been basically a career politician, former governor, secretary of state. He's been a Democrat his entire life. And it wasn't that long ago. And I'd say that the election where things really turned was 2000. And, you know, in 2000, we flipped from blue to red. And if you take our electoral votes and remove them from George Bush and give them to Al Gore, Florida doesn't matter. The margin was close enough that if West Virginia goes blue instead of red, Gore wins and Gore's president as of Inauguration Day 2001. That was when it really started. Before that, the reality was that West Virginia was so traditionally democratic that that was so baked in. If you wanted to have any career in politics in West Virginia, regardless of your true ideology, you had to be a Democrat. So there were plenty of Democratic politicians who were basically Republicans, but they ran as Democrats because they knew there was no way to win if you were anything other than Democrat. Over the past 20 years, it's now gone completely the other way. Republicans rule in West Virginia and their power has gotten stronger and stronger. And I think it's going to create a situation where Democrats are going to run as Republicans because they know that their only chance to hold any type of office of significance in West Virginia is to be a Republican. So that explains Joe Manchin. He is as far right as a Democrat can get. He continues to be a Democrat uh, because he always was one. And my guess is he's pondered switching at some point, like Governor Jim Justice did after he was elected the first time. But that's Joe Manchin in a nutshell, a very, very right leaning Democrat who has been a Democrat for so long that he's not willing to, uh, to change his stripes. But as all politicians do, if he would ever come to the conclusion that it suits his broader political interest to change parties, then he will. It's not a judgment. It's a reality. So uh, the reality is that's enough for today. We'll do this again tomorrow. I think we'll have Sims tomorrow. I won't have corn behind me. I'm going to have to find something else to put back there in my quest to get my room raider number up to a 10 out of 10. Hopefully the guy sees it today. I was surprised he saw it yesterday. Hopefully you saw it today. Hopefully you like the corn. Hopefully you like Ace Freely and or Statler and or Waldorf, whichever guy it is back there. Thanks for some of your time. We'll see you again tomorrow.